Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Absolutely huge show for you here today. It is our annual World Series preview show. They start parking rigs tomorrow. They start practicing on Thursday, and we race on Friday. Unlike most years, though, we just had the red eye this past weekend. Great action on the racetrack. Not such a great night for myself. And I'm going to tell you all about everything that was red eye here in segment number one. And then on the second segment of the show, we will take our deep dive into the World Series. I will tell you who I think the top five drivers are in each division, plus a wild card. And I'll give you my predictions on the four major races that are going to take place. I'll let you know who I think is going to win all of those. Actually make it five. We're going to do the heart to heart 100 as well. I don't have that in my notes, but I'll come up with it. Bear with me in, in segment number two. We also had the clash this weekend. Man, I, I feel like for the past like month, it's it's been hard. I mean, not hard. I love to get on here and talk racing with you guys, but it's been tougher as far as what we've had to cover to make full shows for you. This this week, there's too much. We even have the clash to talk about on segment number three, and we have a little bit of around the state. And I'll give you my opinion because God forbid I had an opinion on the clash after I watched it when I came home from Red Eye. Um I, I will admit my opinion of the clash was already soured because it was spoiled to me in the booth uh, Saturday night. So, and I was mad that it was happening at the same time as Red Eye and ruined my Sunday plans. But, anyways, I, I have an opinion on the clash. I'll give you all of that in segment number three, and we'll go around the state before we end things. So, um, with that said, I don't want to take too much time chit chatting. I want to get right to the meat and potatoes of the show because there's so much to talk about here. Uh, one of my favorite times of years. Uh, I, man, I, I love building up to the World Series. Mid-January really starts taking shape, and then you get to the beginning of February, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And then I have to sit down, and I have to look, and I have to kind of you know, sort through the entries and be like, okay, who's, who's racing a couple of races? Who's going to contend for a championship? And it was really hard for the Super Late Models this year because a lot of those cars entered – well, they had to enter because they're going to run a couple of races leading up to the ASA race, and then they're getting the hell out of town, which is unfortunate, but that's the way she goes. Uh, we're going to have 40-plus entries fighting for 28 spots for the Clyde Hart, and then I think a lot of those cars are going to go home. But just before I started recording, I counted, and I'm like, yeah, there's still going to be you know, 16 to 20 guys that stick around that are going to put on a hell of a show, which has been basically what the World Series has been pulling for late models. On the contrary, racing for about the same amount of money, you have the tour mods that bring 30 plus. So, you know, I, I, I was actually on a radio show earlier this week and Stephen Assey was on before I was. So I was kind of in the online green room, if you would. Uh, so, so I listened in on him and he had some good points. You know, the World Series, it's expensive. Um, it's not the richest thing in the world. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, for a lot of the younger kids, this is a great way for them to get experience, but for us established veterans, like, hey, we've been there, done that, um, we're, you know, chasing those big trophies now, um, but, you know, it, it all boils down, if you want to race, hey, we're going to have racing for nine straight nights for you, if you don't want to race, and you want to race and chase the big trophy, then, hey, we have that for you, too, just be a part of the World Series, and at the end of the day, that's what matters most, so let's go ahead and get into the Red Eye because that took place this Saturday. We had our 2024 unofficial, I, I always call it the unofficial season opener because it doesn't count for points. 
it was supposed to happen about a month ago. And as you know, the uh, weather forecast was not great. And then uh, we got to the day of the race. Yeah, probably could have raced. But it, it, we, we talked about that a month ago. Go back and listen to that show. We did get the red eye in. And I'll tell you, it was exactly what it needed to be for that kind of show. Up against the World Series on different tires, you're not going to pull a whole bunch of the big names, but you're going to get some of those guys that really could use the experience. And that's kind of what we saw. We had a couple of our track regulars out there as well. And it made for a perfect night of racing. However, I'll be honest with you, my night was screwed basically right after the National Anthem. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and start there. Uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize to everybody at the Speedway for the PA issues. Um, there is no worse situation for an announcer than the PA not working as it's supposed to. Um, for those of you that know, and I can talk about this now, we had some work done on the tower. It has basically been stripped out and redone, and it was maybe about 75% of the way finished uh, on Saturday. It was finished enough for us to be in. It still smelt like wet paint. I, you know, I tried to put my hoodie on um, that I had up there in the tower with me on Sunday, and it smelled gross. It smelled like paint. I'm like, nope, this needs to go right in the wash, because I usually wear hoodies for like, I don't know, a couple of days before I wash them. You know, they're hoodies. We live in them this time of the year, right? Um so basically they had to take everything out. So uh, Justin Bowden and I put the PA back together on uh, Thursday. Actually, Justin was working on setting it up and ran into a couple of hiccups. And uh, I was able to grab some equipment out of the studio here. For some reason, the necessary cables needed to hook the mixer to the PA or the, the amp that projects the sound to the speakers around the stadium, around the speedway. Uh, those were missing. So I was able to go ahead and find a couple extra ones here in the studio. Thankfully, I have XLR cables out the wazoo here because, you know, they're they're cheap and they go out frequently. So I have plenty here. And uh, I was able to get that fixed, no problem. We get through practice, no problem. And um, we get to the track. And listen, when when somebody else takes your stuff apart and then sets it back up and starts playing with things, you got to dial it back in and you got to go little by little because you don't want to go too far. You don't want to go, you know, you, you got to dial it back in. And I got to the track and I had music on and I'm like, man, the music sounds a little bit thin. I just got to dial it in. But again, you don't want to like blast it and then kill everybody's eardrums. You don't want feedback, especially with the uh, track being live. So um, I slowly got things dialed in. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're, we're back where we need to be. And... Um, calling qualifying no problem then all of a sudden i looked down the microphone's dead so the batteries died at the end of uh, prelate model qualifying um i forgot we weren't on the rechargeables anymore um so you know that hey that's on me got those uh, swapped over good to go right go down to the driver's meeting and come back up play through the uh the national anthem all good great and then i was i feel like i was talking to the crowd and with the the tower being stripped out I can hear a lot more what's going on outside than I normally could. The drop ceiling's gone, so there's not as much insulation there anymore. So uh, the the sound carries more through the tower. So which is for me, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but I was talking and I'm like, I don't hear the reverberation of my voice anymore. I, and then I'm looking around and I'm like, the, the crowd's totally not here. I look down, boom, everything is out literal nightmare, right? 
for an announcer. You're all of your equipment. It wasn't just one thing at this point, right? It was everything. No power. And I'm like, oh my God, did like the power to the tower? No, the, the different thing, the lights are still on. So nope, it's not a tower problem. Computers are still on. My computer's still charging and it was plugged into the wall. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I look and I, um, Justin was able to plug everything in. We have a power strip up there that has four or five different outlets. Um, you know, it's it's made to avoid power surges and this and that and plug all of your equipment into. That way you turn it all on and go. And Justin had it wired up perfectly to where one button turns everything on and we're golden. And uh, that had died. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So if you were at the racetrack and it was silent after the national anthem for about 15 minutes, I was up there scrambling like a crazy person, um, unplugging everything from the power strip and finding different outlets and different power strips. Like, you know, the power strips you have at home, like the power strip up in the tower, like is a professional power strip made to handle this type of equipment. So I'm plugging into, you know, the five, six prong outlet uh, extenders that you have at your house. I'm plugging everything in. I'm like, okay, I just got to bypass this thing and we're good to go. It just took me a minute to figure everything out, figure out where to plug everything, grab extension cords. And I'm like, okay, we're good to go. And literally, you know, Tom said it was probably the funniest moment ever. Um, just, you know, in light of the situation. Uh, I'm like, all right, New Smyrna Speedway, who's ready to... It, it went out. And I was like, son of a gun, what now? And I feel the amplifier in the amp is what controls the sound system to the speakers. So the speaker wires that Kenny and I uh, worked during last World Series to get into this new machine, um, the, the machine that powers that, that takes the sound from the microphone to the soundboard and then produces it through the speedway, was overheating. And had basically, um, in, in from the... Uh, store that we got it from we took it back and they said yeah it, it completely blew out so it was again absolute chaos absolute worst case scenario and um i hate it i i i was so excited um riding up to the racetrack after friday's practice i was literally like you know what we could even have a couple of cars go home which actually did happen i'll talk about that when we get to the late models um, I was telling Tom as we were riding up to the track, I'm like, yeah, we could have like half the cars go home and I'm still going to have a blast tonight. Like, I'm just so excited to be there. Can't wait to, to get back to racing. And I'm like, I, I just don't even see what could go wrong tonight to make me upset. It's like, I, I willed it into existence because everything on the track was great for the most part. You know, it, it, we had our, you know, delays and this and that. Um, but literally my whole world the whole thing that I'm in control of while I'm at the Speedway was against me and not working properly. So, again, for those of you that were there and, you know, maybe didn't hear the sporadic announcements about what was going on, I just apologize for our, our lack of, of um, PA. And, uh, you know, people are going to watch the video back and be like, oh, there was no issues with the PA. Well, what we learned last year when we had the PA, the original PA overheat, was that Tom's video is pulling sound from the soundboard. So my microphone goes from the wireless receiver to the soundboard to the amp, which then projects it to the Speedway, right? I'm, I'm trying to get make that clear for everybody that's listening because they're going to be like, well, on Speedway video, everything was fine. And I always thought 
that whatever is caught through the speakers is basically the same as what Speedway Video catches. But basically, as long as it relays from the wireless microphone receptor to the soundboard, Speedway Video picks it up. And that's why you hear a lot of the chatter from the tower behind me. That Man, that microphone we have, she's a good damn microphone. She picks up everything, right? So if you go back and watch Speedway Video, yeah, everything sounds normal, except, you know, you can probably tell I'm a little flustered, especially during the Prolate model race. And uh, so what I figured out, and I did get with Tom and I said, hey, you're still getting audio. And he confirmed. So, and you know, I talked to Rusty, I talked to Holly and Rusty's like, look, baby it as best you can, turn it off during the racing where, you know, the people can't really hear you. Um, I know people will listen to the cadence of my voice. And if my voice picks up an octave, they know something's going on. Um, And it's always good to have that chatter going on so that it feels like somebody's in the race with you, right? Uh, at least that's my mentality. So Rusty was like, hey, just kind of turn it off, see if it'll cool down, see if we can, you know, get through the night and just turn it on um, in between races during cautions. And um, that's what I did. And, um, you know, the thing took a minute to boot back up. So caution would come out. 30 seconds later, I come back on and address the crowd, say, hey, here's what's going on. I did my best to try to keep every everybody abreast with what was going on in a situation that was um, not optimal. I mean... thank goodness I've been doing this for so many years where I've been through a lot of different situations. This is the first time I've had it completely be this bad. I've dealt with bad equipment at Orlando before with an amp that basically did the same thing, but would give me at least like 10 minutes of work before it cut out or at least would cool back down and let me use it once it got cool. Like I had three fans on the amp up there Saturday to where I was tripping over them, knocking them down and nothing would cool this thing off. It was all but blown. So I guess the worst case scenario would have been the whole thing blows up and I couldn't get it back on, period, to even tell people what was going on. So at least I had something to work with, but it was was tough. It was rough. It was not how I wanted to start the season. But I will say, um, I'm glad this happened during Red Eye and not during World Series like last year. Um, So yeah, we did take it back to the store today and um, we're having a professional sound person come out to see exactly what kind of amp is needed to handle. Because I I think the issue with that amp was it was a good amp, but I don't think it was meant to handle the wattage that uh, is needed for a stadium like that. Um, So we should have a a new one in place ready to go for Friday night. And uh, yeah, we'll just, you know, Chalk that one up as an L and keep going. And the other thing I can tell you um, that I want to address here, because I know people are wondering, what the hell is up with you guys and Race Monitor? Well, I believe the computer that we are provided up there in the tower is it doesn't have enough RAM to handle the program. Because as we're qualifying, um, I was kind of, at some point, sometimes Race Monitor gets wonky. And I was looking over at, at the actual computer to confirm that what I was looking at was what the, you know, official time and scoring had, uh, cause whatever's on that computer is official. And, uh, I'm looking at the computer and sure enough, the thing just goes black. It crashed. So the whole, you know, the whole delay when Brad May came out to qualify for, you know, and then we had 15 minutes in the dark, we were going to do the bombers by uh, stopwatch, like old school style. The, the computer shut itself down took five minutes to reboot and then wanted to do an update because every time you turn on an electronic device these days, you got to update it, right? So that happened too. And I, you know, I said, hey, I, I it said the thing has four gigs of RAM uh, on the little sticker on the computer. And I'm no computer expert. 
But I just know that to run crazy things these days, I know on my particular computer, when I record this podcast now, I shut everything else down. And this, this is a MacBook Pro, but it's like 12 years old. So I know that, you know, it's time for me. Luckily, I was able to save this thing from its deathbed a couple of weeks ago. And, um, but I know it's, it's about time. It, you you got to get computers that can handle what you're trying to do. And I just feel like that computer gets overloaded and then all it can do is shut itself down and restart. Uh, and that's exactly what happened during qualifying. So we got to figure that out. Um, we got to finish the tower. We got to finish the spotter stand. And, uh, but the crazy thing is, man, they're putting money into this racetrack. So, you know, take the good with the bad, right? So anyways, uh, beautiful new pit road that I can finally actually talk about and not get in trouble. Um, redoing the tower. And like I said, it was about set. I'm going to even say 70% finished. The, the suites are not done yet. I don't know that those will be ready for the world series, but our scores tower announced tower will be, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And for those of you wondering why did, why did they cancel family fun night? Well, that's why the roof was, the, the tower was gutted and the roof was off. So, um, yeah, there you go. There's the, the answer everybody's been looking for for a month. Um, to the red eye now. I, I think that about wraps up my nightmare of a night. It was just, again, I just, I apologize. And I literally was like, listen, I'm going to tell people exact. I am so about transparency, guys. And and I, that's why I tell the track, I'm like, just give me the damn truth so I can tell everybody and word it in a professional way, but tell everybody what the hell's going on. Um, that's why I told the fans, I'm like, look, I'm having amp issues. It's going to go, it's going to be intermittent throughout the night. I'm going to do my best to let you know what's going on. Uh, if, if you want to hear the full race commentary, Speedway Video is still picking it up. Uh, I had the PA on for the first bit of track interviews, but the minute that cuts out as you're talking to a driver, they, it, it flusters them. They think, you know, oh, it's not working. So I said, to hell with it. I'm turning the PA. My, my hope was that by turning the PA off long enough, it would cool down for me to get through the night. It was 64 degrees in the tower last night or on Saturday night, and that amp was running at about 125. 15 minutes after the show was over, still hotter than the sun to the touch. So the, the thing was just, it, it was dead. And I'm, I'm thankful I was able to get through the show. And um, I, I just want to give you all the, the real story because it was, I, I went in there so excited, so excited. I knew there was a bit of a delay um, with qualifying. So we went right from the driver's meeting to, hey, let's start the show. And right as I was trying to get everybody pumped up and ready to go, disaster. And I I think some people in my position would have clocked out and went home for the night. Said, to hell with this. It ain't working. Oh, well. I don't give up. I I take what I do way too seriously. I, I want to at least give you all a little something and let you all know what the hell's going on. So that was my goal. Let's talk about the races because the, the night was pretty exciting. Um Modest car counts, you know, not not the best, not the worst. Um, but ex- like I said, exactly where this event needed to be. We don't need 25-plus cars coming out before the World Series. We don't need, you know, big wrecks, people getting torn up, you know, six days before the World Series starts. Whether they're coming down for just the ASA race, just the 602 Series, it doesn't matter. Um, we needed enough cars to put on a good show and not too many cars, if that makes sense. Listen, I want to see 38 million cars every night too, but sometimes you have to be realistic. Um, With this event on the old late model tires and World Series on the new tires, because we're trying to make sure with so many cars coming throughout the the next 
two weeks. Want to make sure we have enough of those those new tires for everybody for the World Series. Keep it consistent. So we went through the old stock of tires, and the true racers showed up to race. The racers that needed experience showed up to race. The ones that are confident that don't need, you know, extra track time these days, your Bubba Pollard, your Steven Nassies, to name a few, you're not going to get them for this type of show. But for some of the guys getting back behind the wheel, for our track locals, for our youngsters uh, getting that experience, for those coming out of retirement, if you will, it, it was the perfect mix of all of that. So... Uh, late models, super late models up first. I'm just going to go down the list here real quick. Um, again, I recommend very consumable show on Speedway Video. He's, he's God, I think he's over like 3,000 clicks already. Um, and he trimmed out all the fat, which thank God we did for Red Eye, else we'd still be racing there, Paul Kochi. Um, the super stocks would have been delayed because it was time to go to church. So, um, you know, it's a crazy night. It, we, what did we have, five divisions and we were still there until 1130? Um, and some of that was, uh, some of that was any, if you were there, you know, um, super late models. We had 13 start the feature. We had a couple more cars there practice. Uh, Chad Rutherford was there for practice. He went home, Tony Elrod. He had intentions to race cause he's now posting on Facebook. They have a set of tires that they don't know what to do with. So something evidently happened. I left practice about an hour early and apparently this is when everything happened. And then Caden Quapple in the 35, beautiful race car was there. Apparently, he wadded up in the last few minutes of practice. So we did lose a couple cars overnight, but we still had 13 for the main event. Like I said, perfect. I'd like to see, you know, 15 to 18, but 13's not bad either. Uh, this race was was pretty standard, super late model racing right now. Uh, Bobby Good started on the pole, led the first chunk of the race. It was a pretty clean race. Uh, Brent Cruz was the man to watch in the super race. Uh, he said fast time was coming up through the field and we did have a caution. I think it was Bobby Gordon or no, it was, oh, oh, yes, it was, sorry, Bobby. It was Brandon Turbush who went around in uh, turns three and four right in front of Brad May. Brad May is such a masterful driver. He has things happen right in front of him and rarely ever tears up a race car. And it was the closest Brad's come to having damage on that car other than just normal wear and tear in a long time. And Brad did a, just a great job to, uh, to keep that from, uh, getting worse so turbish went around brought out the caution and then the old chew zone reared its ugly head um up until this point we had not had an issue with it um everyone's oh you got to get a cone out there look nascar doesn't use a cone we've been doing this for a year now you got it your spotters i i understand and i will admit that you know from ground level in a race car it's probably tough to see that chew zone but everybody should know at this point, New Smyrna Speedway uses the choose zone. Make your decisions by the start. But Ryan, they switched lanes at the last second. Well, just pick a spot and, and don't jeopardize your race then. Make your decision by the start-finish line and stick with it. I'd rather restart an extra spot back in, in a particular lane than at the back of the field, especially with what happened here because it got, and, and here's the thing, the choose zone got Bobby Good and Brad May, track regulars. So it wasn't like some out-of-towner showed up and feels like they got screwed over. Um, you got to pay attention. When we're ready to go back racing and we call one to go, you got to be ready. And that's just all there is to it. Um, we waste enough time under caution, if you ask me. So we're not going to, okay, guys, next time. When the track is ready, race control is ready, here we come. One to go and choose. And that's how it was all night. So, But it got Brad May and Bobby Good. 
And with the way the choose was and the cars involved in the caution having to go to the end of the, the longest line and those that had penalties to the end of the longest line with the lap cars at the end of the longest line, it was literally the leader uh, on the outside, which was uh, Brent Cruz because he had worked his way to the front. And then Billy Van Meter, who took advantage of this crazy situation. Billy ran great all day, but he took advantage. He was the only car down on the inside. It took a minute for everybody to understand the outside lane was going to be 10 cars long and the inside lane was going to be one car long. It was it was bizarre. It was bizarre. And I know, like, if you're not up with the, the rules, like, I don't expect the fans in the stands to read through every caveat of the rule book and know what's going on. Um... But again, this is what the Red Eye is all for. We figure these things out, and, and with it happening a week before, we go into the World Series now, and we know what's going to happen. So very weird restart, but Brant Cruz drove off and uh, and won the Red Eye. Donnie Wilson Motorsports, a team coming with um, like four Super Lates and a, and a Pro Late at least to the World Series. They were not planning on running this event, but again, with that track time for Brent Cruz, who's moving up from the prolate to the super and track time for Isabella Robusto in the prolate uh, was pivotal for them. So at least they made the start and Brent Cruz made the most of it. It got the win, holding off Jeff Chiquette. Billy Van Meter came home in third, definitely his best run at New Smyrna. Um, he's come a long way over the past year, I can tell you that much. Michael Goddard, again, continues to dazzle in the uh, the Marines Kaufman Tech car in fourth, fifth for Brad May who recovered with Bobby Good for sixth. Uh, Connor Sutton was seventh. Derek Kelly out of Auburndale coming out of retirement basically to run eighth. Ryan Walters made a last-minute decision to come down to the track on Saturday, got a ninth-place finish. They're going to run uh, the second half of the World Series after the ASA race. They're going to run a couple of races there towards the end of the week. And then Bobby Gordon was 10th, followed by Brandon Turbush. Chris McIntyre made his new Smyrna debut. Remember, he won the non-qualifier race uh, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. The last time they held the Bigley Memorial at 417. And then Morgan Hoover, a beautiful new car for Morgan, but uh, he did not uh, survive the race. He was the first car out. And then you had uh, Quapple, Elrod, and Rutherford DNS, as I mentioned. Scrolling down to the prolates, uh, we had 14 cars turn up on Saturday. Uh, Mike Amato was out there practicing. I talked to Mike at the end of the night and I said, hey, you're going to be able to race this time? He goes, man, we're trying. Little things keep popping up. He was not able to make it back for the race. And then Isabella Robusto in the last like five minutes of final pro late model practice um, had a, a motor issue. Uh, oil started spilling out. She's gotten her own oil spun out and crashed and uh, ended her night. But she'll be back for the World Series. Uh, she is cursed at Red Eye. A year ago on the pace laps, something broke in the car, didn't start the race. This year, last few minutes of practice, something breaks and uh, puts her out. Uh, so we started 13 pro lates too which is pretty much right where we always are for a prolate race, uh, especially a 50 lapper. So it was, it was a very solid field. And uh, some drivers really made the most of this event. Um, George Phillips, first time out in the 55, driving for Fathead Racing, set fast time in qualifying. Looked like he was going to run away and win this thing. But this race, and I'll tell you, my memory of it is a bit spotty. I did go back and watch this on Speedway video to get a better idea because this is when I was really dealing with the PA issues and really trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. Um, an absolute awesome prolate model race. This was probably the best prolate model red eye race we've ever had. And, uh, unfortunately I was like watching, watching it with one eye and dealing with PA, uh, out of the other eye and, and trying to monitor the PA to figure out what I, you know, it was, it was nuts. Um, great race though. Got started off a little rough for Ruben Kakaris, uh, second in points last year. 
Didn't finish this one. Uh, luckily, no major incidents. Couple of spins and a lot of great driving by the field to not make it like, okay, a guy spun out in the field and then five guys piled in, which is probably what's going to happen on night one of the World Series. But uh, luckily, you know, there was a you know some tire marks here, a torn up fender there, but everything looks like it should be able to be put back together in time for the World Series for these guys because most of them I would expect to see back at least for a race or two, you would, you would think. Uh, most of the locals in the prolates actually weren't here. Blake Suddy, Stephen Reddit, uh, those guys, um, they they sat at home. Um, this race was all about George Phillips, man. He came flying up through the field after setting fast time and qualifying and looked like he was going to win the thing. And then things got interesting. Um, Jimmy Renfrew got the jump on a late race restart. Phillips kind of got into him a little bit in three and four. And then Jimmy went down into turn one and two and just overdrove the corner, I guess, and took out Phillips. So that put Renfrew, who for a minute there, I thought he was going to win this thing. And then um, then he got into Phillips as they were battling for the lead inside 10 to go. Great racing. I mean, uh, the the contact I could have done without, but the the, the battle was, was fierce. Um, g- give me Jimmy Renfrew Jr. versus George Phillips in the World Series, and we're going to have a hell of a show. I can tell you that much. Um, that put them in the back, and that opened the door for Lawless Allen and Jason Vale to duke it out for the win. And lo and behold, finally, Jason Vale is looking just as damn good in a prolate model as he has in a sportsman. Uh, very happy for Jason. You know, he's a quiet guy. Um, he's very opinionated. Uh, he tells you like it is in, in about three or four words. But, man, I was happy for him. I was happy to see him get out of the car with a smile. Um, wish the interview would have been smoother. Um, but damn, it was nice to see Jason get some success in the Pro Late model. Um, great to see him take that leap once again and find that success. So I, I, he has not entered currently for the World Series. That doesn't mean we won't see him for a night or two or six, seven. Who knows? Um, you don't have to pre-register. You can show up and race, for God's sakes. Just do it. Um, you know, maybe we'll see him for the Heart to Heart 100 or a couple one-offs. I don't know he's doing the full thing. I don't know. He's not registered. So... But anyways, he gets the red-eye win over Lawless Allen. Had a great run in that Jet Motorsports car. George Phillips battled for third and definitely caught some eyeballs on Saturday night here at New Smyrna where uh, you wonder now, where's he going to end up on my rankings here for the World Series, right? Is he in my top five? Is he my wild card? You'll have to find out here in segment number two. Did he make my list? There's so many cars on there. Did he even make the list? Brad May battled back for fourth. He was just kind of stuck in the middle of the pack most of the race and didn't do much, but still finished fourth. Tony Bridinger started back in ninth, had probably her best pro late model run here at New Smyrna. She does have a top five to her credit, but that was a night where everybody wrecked and it was carnage and chaos. Not to take that away, you know, there is no asterisk in racing. If you get a top five, you get a top five. You you were there, whatever, but she earned this top five and ran very well. Jimmy Renfrew was sixth. Hayden Mowry, he was just solid. First time out to New Smyrna for a driver that normally runs Showtime Speedway. He started seventh, finished seventh, kept his nose out of trouble, did well. Stuart Dutton driving for Jet Motorsports was eighth. EJ Tomeo, ninth, tenth for Brandon Lopez, who will be here during the series. Tim Laurent was 11th, Jeff Johnson 12th. And Ruben Caceres finished back in the 13th spot. Then you had Isabella Robusto and Mike Amato with the DNS. Sportsman race. My goodness, 15 very solid sports. And this was a, man... What a field of sportsmen. This was this was like a sportsman all-star race. Holy cow. I mean, I, I know I was there. I know I witnessed it. But just looking at the results again, I mean, this is this is what you want to see for the sportsman. 15 cars, all good cars, all drivers that could have won the race. And it was a hell of a battle between uh, 
you know, KG veteran Rich Clouser and um, Wiley Youngster. He's not a he's not a rookie. Uh, he's he's a veteran himself, but Youngster Matthew Green. I mean, boy, these two battled door to door, traded paint, the restarts. It all came down to the restarts. Uh, you know, there's a couple spins, a couple cautions here and there. Um, it all came down to the restarts. Um, when I talked to Rich down there in Victory Lane, if you go back and watch on Speedway Video, he says, "Man, I'm I'm glad the race uh, wound down because I was running out of tricks." Rick's Rich was like, yeah, I just I did everything I could to keep Matthew Green guessing, and that's where the restart games came from. And you know, it's very important, especially in uh, momentum style racing. You got to get the jump. If you can get the jump and get back in your lane, not let the guy get to you, especially a guy like Matthew Green, who will put you know put a door to you, put a bumper to you. Um, you got to do whatever you got to do. And, and Rich, the veteran, was able to hang on and outduel Matthew Green. And here's what I want to say about Matthew Green fantastic driver he is so talented you know whether it was back in the trucks back in the day emods uh modified sportsman now where he's kind of found his home um he'll be in the uh the 15 brick house car for world series uh very talented young man but man i wish he would just focus on keeping his car in his lane and instead of seeing red anytime somebody bumps you because i'm sorry matthew and when you're racing short tracks like this they're gonna bump you they're going to rub you. They're going to nudge you. It's going to happen. And, um, you know, you, you drove me the same way in the go-karts, you know, back at, at Little 500. We, we definitely traded some paint there. Um, I think at one point you uh, you and uh, Jason Vail ended up on top of the wall at one point. But anyways, um, I really like Matthew Green, so this is just constructive here. Um, if he would just focus on keeping his car in his lane and not trying to run everybody over, if he, you know, gets into somebody, then he would finish so much better. He had a second to first place car and he finished seventh because with a lap to go, he got mad at Trevor. He was all, I'm sure he was mad because Rich Clouser was getting the best of him. And then he goes into the, he, he and Travis Devendorf start getting it into it. He goes into turn three on the final lap and just, instead of going through the corner and battling the kid for second, he just drives up the racetrack and takes him bolt up, causes a big wreck and gets the 76 of Blaze Hetchnecker torn up. Hetchnecker's just out there hanging out, running his own race, and he gets torn up because somebody don't make it through the corner because they're mad at somebody else. So, And that's usually how it goes, cause and effect, right? A couple of guys up towards the front get heated. They start screwing around. The field scrambles. Things narrow up, and an innocent car gets all smashed up for no reason. So, um, you know, there are some other things going on. I guess the Ponders are mad at Steve Barnes. I saw a comment, and like I said, still at this point in the night, uh, my focus was... Uh, like 75% on the racetrack. So um, some of the stuff I can't comment on. But watching the video, just crazy. I mean, the, the, people love the sportsman division because it's it's ultra competitive. You get the short track style, you know, uh, rubbins racing, and then you get tempers flaring at the end. And at the end of the day, um, you know, while I, I disagree with some of the driving on the racetrack, Cooler heads prevail, no issues afterwards. You know, maybe words exchanged as they passed each other on pit road, but um, everybody went back to their pits and thought about their night. So it was a good race. It was it was interesting, to say the least. It was dramatic, for sure. And Rich Clouser gets the win. George Alexander second. And Earl Beckner. Oh, excuse me. I'm getting tired already. I'm an old man. Um, Earl Beckner came home in third. Steve Barnes was fourth. Don Keithley. He survived to finish in fifth, followed by Lucas Hinton, Matt Green, Travis North, Will Robinson, and Timmy Todd, the top 10 for the sportsmen. Bomber A's were in action. 
Uh, I had 12 of them, and I was pretty much told it was going to be, you know, about 12 to 15 cars, and we were right there at 12. $1,000 to win, outlaw style. This division's in flux. Um, no doubt about it. Definitely in flux. You had some come out that uh, probably were only out there because it was outlaw rules. You got some of these guys you might not see in Bombers again. It, there's going to be a revolution in the Bombers, just like there's about to be a revolution in the Bomber Bees, too. So, um I, I will say pretty much a ho-hum race for the first 20 laps. Good thing this was a 30. Well, no, it's not a good thing this was a 30-lapper because some guys got torn up in a big way. Um, it all started to get weird when Michael DeRico in the 88D lost a tire and walloped the wall in turns three and four. Glad he was okay. Saw him after the race um, getting picked on by his buddy, Devin Dorton. Um, they just come back from the pay window, and Devin's like, at least I didn't wreck my car first time out. Um so, you know, glad to see he was okay, but car's torn up. Probably going to be a while before you see that one back. Hopefully it's not a one-and-done situation for Michael. Um, and then that set up a bunch of restarts, and poor Stephen Wright, who had the dominant car, gets to beating and banging with these guys. And I said, I literally said, I think the only way they're going to take the $1,000 away from Stephen Wright is if they get up on this guy and, you know, not take the man out, but prevent the man from winning, and that's what they did. They got his tire. He went down a few laps, and... um that, that changed the whole complexion of the race. It became much more competitive after that. Stephen Wright is, man, he and Dustin Higdon, and Dustin Higdon in the right car, are by far two of the best bomber drivers we've seen in the last decade, okay? Um, but when Stephen lost the tire and went down a few laps, it just put four or five guys in contention to win. And then we had another unfortunate incident on a restart. And um, I don't know that Stephen Wright knew he was laps down. He's probably hoping he was going to get the lucky dog, but inside of 10 to go, they don't do that. So, unfortunately, on a restart, things narrowed up on the front straightaway. Stephen Wright tried to go to the inside of Larry Masters. Larry Masters moving down the racetrack. They hook together, and then they come down the racetrack, and they basically catch the right rear of C.J. Creech. C.J. goes up into the wall and hits the wall, I mean, so hard. Driver's side, pancaked into the turn on wall. Scared me. It really did. Um, see somebody go up and, and hit the wall like that in, in a bomber car going, thank God it was a restart, but you're still going fast. Like you think about just driving down the street. If you spin your car out on I-4 and hit the Jersey barrier, it's not going to be a good ride. Right? So CJ, you know, it, like I said, it scared me being up there in the tower. I can't see every little detail, but, um, I was glad to see him get out of the race car. It looked like he was, you know, he had some assistance back to the Amblam. Um, he got put in there and, and, and thank God though, I saw CJ afterwards says, Hey, hey buddy, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I thought for a minute I broke my leg. You know, I'm sure he banged it on the roll bars a little bit, but he's like, I'll be sore, but I'm good. So thankfully, um, these guys say what you want about the bomber cars, but man, these guys build safe and really good equipment. They don't just throw a bunch of junk together and, and hope for the best because you got to plan for the worst. And CJ had it in the worst way. And I'm just glad he was able to get out. His night did not go well, but he was thankfully okay. Um, then we saw a, a hell of a battle between Brandon Gaither and Charles Friddle with a couple to go. They hooked together on the front stretch. Charles Friddle goes into the wall. Brandon Gaither shows some sportsmanship, taps out. Charles Friddle gets the lead back, hangs on to win the race. Brandon Gaither battles back for second. And then Charles Friddle, in his own race, and I say that because he was the one that came up with the money, He's the one that came up with the rule set that we used. 
he forgot to go to Tech, and he got himself disqualified. So Brandon Gaither comes all the way back to win the thousand dollars and win the race. Larry Masters was second. Jim Snyder was third. Brandon Monroe fourth. Fifth for Devin Dorton in his first time out. So not bad. Aaron Foy had some issues at the end of the race. He finished sixth. Stephen Wright was seventh. C.J. Creech, eighth, ninth for Joe Sunday, tenth for Michael DeRico, Dustin Nathan with a DNS, and Charles Friddle DQ'd for not going to Tech. And uh, congratulations, Jim Snyder, took home 50 bucks from the Racing with Ryan podcast for being the last car running on the lead lap. He finished third and was the last car on the lead lap. So how about that? Jim ended up with a pretty good day. I think he got hard charger, uh, which, yeah, up seven spots and um, highest finishing driver up seven spots because Devin Norton was also up seven spots. And, uh, yeah, took home the $50 from racing with Ryan. So congratulations to Jim. I handed him that money myself. So, um, bomber race was, look, I'm, I'm glad, like, I know the 24 second rule isn't optimal, but I'm glad we have it. Cause the racing is a little bit better. It, it ain't perfect, but this one just, it went from like, like a, a Stephen Wright, like butt kicking to a complete, like crap fest in in a lap and it was just too bad because these guys these guys do such the bomber guys do such a great job with the rules that are are handed to them um these guys are racers man and they they deserve every ounce of credit that uh that they don't get normally so bombers great job appreciate you guys looking forward to seeing what happens with y'all whether you go to bees whether you go somewhere else where you don't race whatever appreciate you 602 mods ended the evening pretty standard affair here but we did have a long delay in this one uh poor donald Kiefer uh started on the pole blew an engine on like lap two this was after john hatton who was one of the fastest cars towards the end of last season i believe he had uh, some kind of issues and donald Kiefer blew up in turn one spun in his own oil and uh, they had to go to the beach to get more kitty litter from freaking new smyrna beach itself to lay down in turn number one to clean this up it was a long de- delay i was so frustrated with the the PA. I couldn't even play music because the I, I think people be people would rather sit there and have a conversation and have there be dead air than listen to the music go do 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 do. All right, everybody, and we're gonna go back to that's what it would have been like because uh, the PA was so damn hot at that point. Um, but anyways, a, a good race here for the 602s, despite the delays. Um, a lot of good racing. And Michael Toner out of Rhode Island, um, the crew chief for Ruben Caceres, uh, works for Junior Motorsports. Because I even said, if you listen to the Speedway Video interview, it's like, man, you ought to bring this thing back because he's not registered for World Series. I ought to bring this thing back and run the Triple Crown. And he goes, man, I'd love to. But he's like, man, I'm on the road with Junior Motorsports, and I'll be down at Daytona um, getting ready for that. And I've got duties there. Um, but it's been a dream of mine, a bucket list dream of mine to race here. And it all just worked out. So pretty cool story there for Michael Toner to get the win. Kelly Jarrett was second. Shane Held was third. Tom Toronto fourth. Matt Jarrett was fifth. It was cool to see Kelly Jarrett, Shane Held, and Matt Jarrett duking it out for the second spot. Cool moment there. That's what this class is all about. Good moments with family. Um, Chris Hatton sixth. Kurt Hatton seventh. Christopher Hatton got spun around at one point battling for position and then got hit head on by Tom Toronto. So, Tom will have some work to do to get Christopher ready for the World Series, but that's how the last event of the night went down at Red Eye. That's how the Red Eye went down, and um, I think you guys can understand why it was a little bit of a nightmare. I just, I hope that's, I hope that never happens again. You can plan and plan and plan, 
And you can be as ready as possible, but you always have to expect the unexpected. So speaking of unexpected, come back on segment number two as we're going to talk about the World Series because there may be some unexpected drivers in my top five. Basically, what I'm going to do on the next segment, go through the five major divisions that are running the World Series, give you my top five championship picks, give you a wild card, and then I'll predict who I think is going to win the five big races that are going down for those major divisions So come back, segment number two, World Series Preview Show, rolls on next. Hey everyone, we want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years, not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom-made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for, for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal 
and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, they do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a, a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. One of my favorite times of year doing our annual World Series preview show where we break down each division and I give you my top five drivers in order of where I think they're going to finish and then, yes, I do come back after the World Series done is done, and I check to see how I did. I did pretty bad last year, so take this with a grain of salt, right? But um, <clears throat> with the, excuse me, with thirty plus entries coming in, pretty much every one of these classes, um, it, it's hard. And then trying to figure out, okay, who's running the full week? I think this guy is, so yeah, put him in third. It's kind of tough, but. I did my best, and then, like I said, we'll check this and see how good or how bad I did. So, we're going to start with the Tour Modifieds, and uh, again, I've got the top five in order, and I'll go from fifth to first, and then I'll give you a wild card driver, a driver that I think could mix things up or, you know, could completely tank. We'll see. So, we're going to start with the Tour Modifieds. In fifth, I've got Tommy Catalano. If you've been listening to the show for the past month or so, with the, the power ranking segments for the World Series... I've had Tommy up in the top 10 for much of it until about last time I, I did the power rankings. I just, I have a good feeling. Uh, the Catalanos, they've been racing for a long time. I, I feel like Tommy's got the experience now. He's got the wherewithal to get out there and get it done. Um, I could easily see if things go right, you know, if Tommy hits the invert or something and things just finally break his way, I could see him getting that first win. Um, I think fifth in points would be very respectable for Tommy Catalano, yet... You know, there's 30-plus guys, and, and I'd say there's 12 of those that could easily finish in the top five in points. So um, I don't think it's a, a sure thing, but I'm high on Tommy Catalano going into this year's World Series. We'll check in next week and see how the, the first half of the week's going, but um, I've got Tommy in fifth. Eric Goodale I have listed in the fourth position. Um, always liked him. He's just such a smooth racer. Um, Sharp-looking race cars, the red, yellow, and black just really stands out. I know, good-looking race car, that's not what this segment is all about, but um, Eric, like I said, he's always just kind of caught my eye. I think, uh, you know, Matt Hirschman, he's got eight wins in a row. It's going to be tough to beat him this year. 
Uh, obviously, they're gunning for Matt Hirschman. I, I would not be surprised to see the Goody Motorsports 58 back in victory lane with Eric Goodell. So I've got him fourth. In third, the man who finished runner-up in points and runner-up to Matt Hirschman pretty much every week, I've got Patrick Emmerling. Um, <clears throat> weird thing, paper entry came in for Patrick in the 14. Ryan Newman's driving the 14 in the Tour Motor Race. And then Patrick registered his own machine online. So I'm not sure exactly what the story is there. If um, he's not going to be in the Advantage Motorsports 14 anymore or what. Um, but I'm still putting Patrick Emmerling third. He was the only guy that could hang with Matt Hirschman. He's the only guy that could battle Matt Hirschman last year. And whether he's in the 14 or his own car, to me, it doesn't matter. I've got him third um, looking as a solid competitor. Ron Silk, I've got in second. If you've listened to the show the last couple weeks, again, he's been top of my power rankings, right behind Matt Hirschman. So he's right behind Matt Hirschman here in my official World Series preview. Um, won the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour 200 and then blew up the first night of the regular World Series. So didn't show his potential, Didn't wasn't able to show his potential the rest of the week. Um, the only guy that beat Matt Hirschman last year. So Ron Silk in the 16, if, if they stay together, you know, the parts stay together for him, look out. So I've got Ron second, and obviously in first, Matt Hirschman, my pick for the championship. Um, God, the last, like, four or five years, he has just been so spot on. You know, if it wasn't for a flat tire a couple of years ago when Jimmy Blewett won the championship, Hirschman wins that championship too. Um, honestly, the last, how it's gone the last, you know, three, four years, if it wasn't for bad luck, it'd be all good luck for Matt Hirschman. Uh, and by that, I mean, he's winning all the races. He's got eight consecutive World Series wins in a row. Swept all last year. And then in 2022, won the last three races of the World Series. So uh, it's, that's incredible. We'll see if he can get number nine here uh, starting the first uh, the first Monday. What's that, the 12th? Yeah, the 12th. Um, but yeah, Matt Hirschman, my pick for the championship. He's going to win two, three, maybe four races, and maybe somebody else can sneak by and, and get a couple, but we'll find out. Um, that leads me to my wild card here for the Tour Modifieds. And yeah, guys, uh, w- with the extra stuff at the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm going to try to breeze through this pretty quickly, uh, keep this consumable for you. Um, my wild card for the Tour Modifieds, Ryan Priest uh, just put out his announcement. He'll be racing for the five nights. So probably not, you know, f- things would have to go crazy, right? Uh, for him to win the championship. So probably not going to be a championship contender, but that's what the wild card slot is for. I, I could see him being up in the mix for those four races. Easy top fives, right? Um, at least top five capable car if, if circumstances go the right way. Um, good to have Ryan Priest back in the field. He ran some super late model stuff the last couple of years, now back in the tour mod. Obviously, um, his commitments to Stuart Haas Racing getting back to Daytona, uh, he's got to focus on that. You know, full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, trying to get off on a better foot than last year, trying to keep all four wheels on the ground this year. Uh, I've got Ryan Priest in my wild card. Look for him to contend for a win or two or four. We'll see how that goes. Moving now to the super late model division. And like I kind of mentioned in segment number one, this was tough because I had to look past some of those big names that are on the list that, you know, I've seen various things. Okay, they're going to run the first couple of nights and then they're going to go home. And those plans could change, you know, if they get off to a good start. Hey, we're here. We paid our entry. What the hell? We'll do the next couple of nights. Um, You never know how weather could impact somebody's plans. So this was definitely the toughest, but I tried to look at drivers that I know for sure are running the full thing 
And um, I, I feel like this is where my predictions could be way off come the end of things or spot on. So um, in fifth, I've got Gabe Somers. I think he finally is going to break through um, and win one of these races towards the end of the week because I, I expect after the ASA race for the field to thin out, you know, maybe to the 12 to 16 car range for the Supers before it builds back up for the Orange Blossom. But I would expect anywhere from 18 to 25 cars for that race um, if things go well. Um, I, I feel like Gabe gets a win. And, and like I said, it'll probably be towards the end of the week. Um, in fourth, I've got Brad May. Brad's going to run the full thing. Um, defending track champion has some World Series wins. Hasn't really... Brad is so... Man, they're, they're so hit or miss with the big races lately. They won that big ASA uh, Southern Super Series race a couple of years ago that that was rain delay and then finally raced. And um, in the last couple of years during World Series, they just haven't been... They, they're, they run fine, but they haven't been towards the front, so to speak. And they ran just so-so during red eyes. So with Brad's experience, I expect him to be one of the top five in points. I just don't know that they contend necessarily for the championship. I hope they do. I love it when our locals defend their, their home turf, and I would love to see Brad get a couple of wins. So we'll see what happens here. Um, in third, I got Brent Cruz. After his run at the red eye, taking home the victory there, I put him in the top five. I did not have him even on my radar because he's moving from pros to supers, which isn't always a bad thing, but it's a whole different step. So um, we'll see what Brent's going to do here. And uh, again, the win at the Red Eye is going to give him confidence. Like he said, he was so thankful to be down there in victory lane. And he said, yeah, we ran this race to get confidence. And they have it going into the World Series more so than any other driver that's going to show up on Friday. And I'm expecting Brent to run the full series. So I've got him third right behind his teammate Giovanni Ruggiero in the 22 uh, Gio's an aggressive driver. He's going to rub some fenders. Um, he's probably going to be that guy that some people are pissed off at midweek, and I'm here for it. Uh, that That's exciting. That's exciting, and that's going to sell tickets for the rest of the week after, you know, all the ASA guys that are too big to run the rest of the World Series take off, and, and Gio gets down in the nitty-gritty going for a championship. Things could get salty on that Thursday night that nobody cares about. So, um, listen, I'm all here for the storylines. I can't wait to see what's going to develop. And hell, it, it might not be Geo. It could be somebody else. It could be Brad May and Gabe Somers for all we know. But the storylines are going to develop, and I can't wait to uh, update you next week on what's going on. So I think Geo with the Donnie Wilson Motorsports team, they're going to win probably at least a race or two and contend for the championship. But I think getting back to championship form after kind of an offseason last year is going to be Derek Griffith in the 12. I think, um, you know, he's got the most, some of the most experience in the field. He and Brad May, I think, are the, the two with the most starts in the World Series. Um, again, off year last year, just didn't quite have it. And I think that changes here this year. I think he's going to be back in championship form. Um, you know, the first couple nights, there's going to be so many different drivers in the field that the winners are probably going to be a little sporadic. But after that ASA race and things settle down, I would expect Griffith, Ruggiero, Cruz, May, and Somers to be your guys battling for wins for the rest of the World Series for those last three races or whatever it is. Um, so I got Derek Griffith winning my championship. And, and I was talking to somebody else about that. And I'm like, wow, I forgot he existed. And I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of people did. And that's why, you know, hey, sometimes you got to go out on a limb a little bit. It's easy to pick that low-hanging fruit. But I think Derek Griffith, he's going to blossom once again at the top of the tree, at the end of the orange blossom, he's going to be our champion. 
And we'll see if that uh, comes true or not. Oh, wild card. I had to update this right before I recorded. I've got Dawson Sutton in here. I had William Swalich, who I registered as the 62 for Kevin Harvick. And then they just put a post up on their social media. He's only driving three nights in the two car. So I'm very confused. Um, so I put Dawson Sutton because I know he's running the full thing. He's going to run the pro late model and the super late model as they've had some things change. Um, Dawson's going to be my wild card. I, I feel like he may be a mid-pack driver the first half of the week and then really establish himself down the road. And we'll see how it goes for him. So I, I feel like Dawson's going to... he He's exactly who Steven Nassi was talking about on Race Time Radio on Sunday when he said, you know, some of these younger kids, they need that experience of the World Series. And Dawson's one of them. Up-and-coming young driver who I think, stay tuned to the Pro Late Model segment, uh, spoiler alert, I think he's going to do very well there. So I've got him as my super late wild card. So speaking of Pro Late Models, let's talk about them. Um, one of the most competitive divisions in the last couple of World Series, one of the, in my opinion, the Pro Lates, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just that a little bit less horsepower, so it's a little bit more momentum-based than technology-based racing. They have put on a well of a show the last couple of years. Red Eye was fantastic. A lot of rubbing and banging. Um, I think the Pro Late models are going to deliver once again with 30-plus cars signed up throughout the week. And again, I don't, you know, all 30 of those cars ain't racing every single night, but throughout the week, there's going to be a great, uh, uh, you know, contingent of racers coming and going. And it's going to be some great racing out there. And again, this was hard for me to come up with the top five. But after Red Eye and some of the things I've seen recently, I've got my list. In fifth, after a good red eye, I've got Jimmy Renfrew. Um, he was fine last year. He finished top three in the red eye and then just kind of was there during the World Series. Uh, he's got some, uh, he's got an alliance there with Donnie Wilson. Uh, so he's got a good piece. Um, he's got a year under his belt now, racing the World Series. So I think Jimmy, I don't know that he gets a win this World Series, but after the way he ran at red eye before he got into it with George Phillips, I, I just, I feel like he's going to do well. So we'll see. We'll, we'll watch the double zero. I think he's going to have a much better World Series than he did last year. In fourth, I've got Hunter Wright. I think he's finally going to get his first win. Um, he's had bad luck here the last few years, but I think Hunter Wright finally gets that first win this year and will be a championship contender. I've got him fourth on the list, um, but I don't know. I could see him winning the championship too. I, actually, this entire... If they're in my top five, I see them having a legit shot. But it, look, I, I'm putting them in order and I'm sticking to it, right? In third, I've got Nicholas Noggle, one of the, our Canadian drivers. Nicholas knows how to win here. Um, he's His biggest problem is staying out of trouble and being consistent. Uh, that's the thing he lacks at the World Series is consistency. Um, Nicholas raced with us throughout the season last year, did a handful of pro and super late model races for Jet Motorsports, uh, back with his own stuff, I believe, this year. So I, I don't know. I see him being in the mix, and I see him – Honestly, I see him with a win or two, um, but consistency is the question mark, so I leave him third on the board here. In second, I've got Dawson Sutton. Just talked about him as my super late wild card because he's going to do double duty now. Um, originally, the plans were for he and Gavin Bichelle to be teammates on the super late model side of things, and then I guess Gavin had a change of plans and is not racing, so um, Dawson. So the team said, we're going to bring all our cars, we're going to throw somebody else in a pro for a couple races, and Dawson's going to go pro racing too. And if if the week does not get to him, like if it's not too much, he's going to contend. Uh, he won the um, 
it was now I can't remember. It's either he or Gavin that won. He had a great run at Governor's Cup either way uh, back in November. Knows how to get around this place. I think Dawson Sutton is going to be one of the championship contenders for the Prolates for sure. But here's my number one. Are you guys ready for this? A driver not even on my radar until Red Eye. George Phillips in the 55 showed me the grit, the determination, and the speed of a championship driver during the Red Eye race, even though I had one eye on that and one eye on the PA. But after watching Speedway video and, and really thinking about that race, I like George Phillips and what I saw. Guy comes out for the first time at New Smyrna, sets fast time. Now, Fathead Racing, they always bring good stuff. They always have good stuff. But they always have different drivers, and I think they found a good one here in George. Um, I, I really expect George Phillips to really show that that same speed. He, I know there's going to be about double the car size in most of the races, you know, or at least 10 to 12 more in each race than what he faced uh, this past weekend. But, man... I just liked what I saw. He, he got spun out. He came back towards the front. He could pass people. He could lead. He could rub fenders with the best of them. George Phillips is my prolate model prediction for champion after what I saw at Red Eye. He impressed me that much. He went from a guy I had no idea about, couldn't find much information about, to my championship favorite. And we'll see how that's going to go. My wild card in this one is John Bolin, who is the prolate model champion of the five flag speedway. Uh, John has entered the ASA Southern super series race or stars national tours race. It's all the same thing. Um, in the super late model, but he's going to run the pro late model and, uh, that's where his paid entry is gone. So I'm assuming he's going to run the week. Um, I just have a question mark there with him. Uh, if he had come in and run red eye and did what George Phillips did, I'd probably have him like first or second on my list. So John is a guy I feel like He's either going to run a handful of races and just kind of be there, maybe like an Eddie McDonald story last year, or he's going to be a championship contender. And I'm just not sure where to put him. Uh, he's only raced here a handful of times. I just, uh, I don't know. That's why he's my wild card. I think we're going to have to keep, if the two cars in the field and running well, I think he's going to do stuff. But what's his agenda this week? We're going to find out starting on Friday. Uh, so that's why John is my wild card. And that's why I have that wild card slot. You just never know. So one final division, no, two final divisions to go through here before I get to my big race predictions. And we're going to start with uh, the 602 modifieds. This division starting to become a little bit more clear now that we're in our third year of running them. Really fun class. We're running a triple crown. Uh, but with the collaboration between uh, Auburndale and New Smyrna, they got six races down here now. So um, if they make the most of it, they can make the most of it. My champion prediction I'll get to in a minute. I almost spoiled that. I got to start at the bottom. In fifth, I've got uh, Cody Norman in the 12 car. Um, ran solid last year, but just looking at the various amounts of experience versus inexperience in the field, I put Cody Nor Norman, and I, I keep wanting to say Newman, I, I think it's the 12. He's number 12. I see 12. I think Newman. And I did that on his welcome post because I make half of those at like 1030 at night or 830 in the morning when I'm tired as all get out. Um, so Cody Newman is my choice for fifth. Carson Dijon Tommaso going to come in in fourth. Um, he was my championship pick a year ago. Rather disappointing. Obviously, the rules have been a little bit more dialed in. Things have changed a little bit. So I think they were playing catch up last year. If they have caught back up to the rules changes in our back competitive, Carson is a hell of a wheel man. So I've got him fourth 
But again, he's like that teeter-totter position. He's either going to do way better than fourth or he's going to do way worse than fourth, kind of like last year. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think he contends this year. Into third, Paul Hartwig Jr. And again, he's right there in the middle. Solid contender. Really bad luck last year. Good luck the year before. Kind of an aggressive driver. He is like Matthew Green. And I'm going to say the same thing I said about Matthew Green. If Paul Hartwig watches his lane and worries about Paul Hartwig's race car, then I think Paul Hartwig's going to do well. If Paul Hartwig gets mad because someone gives him a shot down the front straightaway to get the momentum going, and then he overdrives the corner, then Paul Hartwig is going to be his own worst enemy during speed weeks, if that makes sense. So I, I just, I love those aggressive racers because they're exciting to watch, but you know, like sometimes they're their own worst enemy. So Paul Hartwig, third on my list, could be, you know, the could be winning races, could be winning championship. We'll find out. Um, their triple crown this year, by the way, going to be straight up points, uh, not that uh, NASCAR style championship they had last year. Lee Sharpstein in uh, second, just again a guy who who knows how to get it done very fast last year, almost stole the championship away in that uh, final shootout, wasn't able to get it done. Um, second on my list here. If it wasn't for a motor issue in like year two or year one of doing this, uh, he'd, he'd have much better stats. Um, I think the red 17 is going to be somebody you're going to have to keep your eye on for sure. And then coming home, number one in my predictions. Yeah, low-hanging fruit on this one. I'm sorry. I can't always reach to the top of the tree without the ladder. Uh, but I got Luke Baldwin. Uh, so impressive here last year with, uh, with uh, Timmy Catalano moving up to actual modifieds. That kind of leaves the door open for Luke. Hopefully, Jack Baldwin makes his way onto the list here. I, I think Jack, uh, he just didn't have the World Series. He was just kind of caught up in the eye of the storm, didn't really get a, a good enough chance to show what he had. But I think Luke Baldwin is going to repeat as champion here in the Triple Crown for 2024. And my wild card is one of our local drivers, Christopher Hatton. He is so good here on a regular basis. Very solid race car driver. Very good at going fast. Again, last year, his World Series was over pretty much at the drop of the green flag. He was the one up in the air on like lap one of the first race going through the catch fence. And the car just was never the same. I don't actually think they got the car fixed, if I remember correctly. Maybe they did, but it was not It was not competitive. His, Like I said, his World Series basically over before it began. Um, in In... Saturday night, very good competitive car up near the front, gets spun out, and then got hit by Tom Toronto and has damage to the car. So now has work to do. Luckily, they have, you know, six days still to get the car ready at the time of this recording, five, six days, whatever it is, until Sunday when it's go time. I would really love to see Christopher Hatton and that Generac team. They work so hard at the Speedway for that division for themselves um, and to put on a show for the fans. I would love to see Christopher Hatton in victory lane at his home track, uh, in front of that great crowd that we're going to have for those three races for those guys. Um, so Christopher Hatton is my wild card for the 602s. Final division here, the Florida Modifieds. Um, I got 11 of those entered. And uh, this is this is a tough division too, but I think I've got this one pretty much nailed down. In fifth, Tank Tucker, who just registered a couple of days ago, just made his way onto the entry list. Uh, grizzled veteran. You can't count the man out. He's... It'll be feast or famine, like it has been for Tank for the last five, six years. He's either really fast winning races or blowing a motor. So we'll see how that goes. I have Jared Allison in fourth. I, I love seeing Jared Allison back on the asphalt. I really do. Um, I, to me, it's the equipment that I question, not the driver. Um, 
seems like things just don't want to stay together for him. And if he can just get things to last and get that car up to speed, I think he'll be solid here this week. And third, former champion Timmy Moore. Um, I'm, I'm glad that Timmy, even though he's not with the 15 anymore, I'm glad he's back with his own car. Um, I know there's a lot of... The, the Florida Modifieds say kind of the same stuff that the Super Late say about the World Series, um, but we just don't... We don't have so many young kids coming through the ranks to uh, to come get all that track time. It's still a a, a veteran division. We do have some kids coming up now, you know, Matt Green, Eugene Tunello. Um, but I, I think Timmy Moore is is going to do very well and could win the championship if he runs all the races. I'm just I have a question mark next to him because I'm not sure like is he just coming? Is he just registered because he's gonna run a couple of races? Is he gonna run the full thing? We'll find out his agenda this coming week. But I, I put him third on the list. In second, I've got Wayne Parker, a, a veteran. Again, Wayne just has crappy luck during the World Series. He had crappy luck during the regular season last year. I, I think he shakes it. I think he gets back to victory lane in the World Series here. I think he'll contend, um, you know, given that he's able to run all the nights. And then Jerry Simons is number one, defending track champion. Uh, right now, with who's entered, has to be the favorite on most people's bingo cards for Florida Modified Champion. If you don't get taken out in a wreck his race car, I think he wins probably half the races in the championship. And then... That brings me to my wild card and uh, literally anyone else who may show up because I feel like throughout the week, we're going to see more than 11 cars. Um, do we see Cody Stickler for the 75 lapper? God help the field. If we do, do we see Jason Lester in a modified? I don't know. I, do we see him in the mod mini? I, I don't know, man. I, who else shows up? That's going to be the big question. Do we get a lot of them for all six nights or whatever it is? Probably not, but do we start racing and then some people say, well, you know, we can go out there and do that. And they show up for a couple of nights. That Those are my wild cards. Dalton Nelson, perhaps. Um, like I said, Cody Stickler, Josh Todd. I, I you, Those are my wild cards, man. Bring them out and do something. And we'll see what happens. So that is my super official World Series preview. Um, again, the full entry lists are available at newsmarnaspeedway.org. We, the entries do not close folks. If you're a local racer and you want to come out for a couple of nights and race, you can, um, if you're out of town and you just want to come down for a night, come have some fun. Just come be part of it. If you're there for a night, you're part of it. Just, you know, yeah, you got to pay entry fees and all that baloney, but you know, for some, it's a bucket list type thing. And, uh, where else can you race? Nine nights in a room in, you know, Florida. It's pretty cool. So I have a couple more predictions before we take our final commercial break. Uh, we'll talk about the clash. We'll go around the state and then we'll end this epic episode of the show. So I've got the five big races here and I know there's more big races. Um, local guys, if uh, I could count on registrations a little bit more, I, I would do your races too, but half the time, like, Half the ones that register don't show up, and then I get the the ones that don't show up that registered, I get five more that I wasn't expecting to show up, and it's just hard for me to make the predictions. So, you know, I'll talk about you in, in a good light next week uh, during, or, you know, the show when we do all the recap stuff. Um, so for the Clyde Hart Memorial, that is the ASA Stars National Tour 200. I've got Stephen Nassi to win that one. Uh, won the Governor's Cup 200 not that long ago. It'll be a 28-car starting field. Um, competition level will be basically 28 cars that can win the race. Um, qualifying going to be very important for that. It will be tough to pass because uh, everybody's going to be within just a couple of tenths of one another. 
But yeah, Stephen Nasty is my choice to win that one. And the Orange Blossom uh, Super Late 100, that'll end the World Series for the Super Lates. I've got Gio Ruggiero to win that one. I think he's going to win the race and come up two points short of the championship. The NASCAR modified, the NASCAR Wheeland modified tour 200 win. I got to give that to Matt Hirschman. And the Richie Evans 100, I've got to give that to Matt Hirschman. Hell, we'll give him the Blue at Memorial as well. And then I've got Ryan Priest to win the other, the, the 250 lappers that he's in. And then Ron Silk will sneak in a win in the other 50 lapper. So how about that? How do you like that prediction? Um, and then the other big race to talk about, there, there's two more. I, I, I really want to, okay, there's three more. And I, I didn't write these down because now that I'm talking about it, I don't want to include them. The Prolay Model Heart to Heart 100, that victory is going to go to, hmm, Hunter Wright is going to win the 100 lap Prolate Model 100. Um, so I better write this down. Um, Hunter Wright, Prolate Model 100. The Modifieds have a 75 lapper, right? And I, I believe Cody Stickler is going to come out for that one. So Cody's going to win that one. I don't know that for sure. Um, if Stickler's not there, give that race then to Wayne Parker just because. And then the 602 mods are going to have a 66 lapper on Blue at Memorial Night to end their World Series and give that race to... Give it to Karsten. Karsten Dijon Tommaso gets back to victory lane. I feel like he's going to get it figured out. So there are my gutless... Yeah, from the gut. Not gutless, but there are my from the hip predictions on those other three races I didn't think about earlier while I was trying to work. So that puts a bow on it. You know, I used to do that old, you know, podcast, put a bow on it. Um, yeah, man, there's my predictions. World Series looking great throughout the week. Tons of race cars coming and going. Some are going to have great World Series. Some are going to have sob stories to tell, just like I did at the beginning of the show. Join us, please, all nine nights. We'll be racing. Um, come see us if you can. I know there's a lot of people that like to go to Volusia and then make the tour. Go uh, Winterfest or uh, whatever the heck it's called over at Auburndale is going on right now. Go check that out. Uh, they started as I'm recording now. They race Wednesday, Thursday. Um, go check that out before we get racing on Friday. Um, Volusia's in action. I know East Bay's been going strong. Uh, there's all kinds of racing around here. Legends, Cars, at Citrus, all that good stuff. Um Let's see what I, I had one other point here that I wanted to make. Um, oh, yes. You can also watch on Flow Racing. The ASA race will be on their thing that they advertise. But, yes, all nine nights and all the racing is on Flow as well. That's your one-stop shop to watch in the World Series. Of course, the best seat in the house is always at the racetrack. And I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you guys there. We're going to have uh, practice day on Thursday. I'll be out at the racetrack with Peyton doing uh, walkthroughs taking notes, uh, filling out my Excel spreadsheet with all the sponsors and all the info I need to know about these guys and getting ready to go. So, And then Friday at 7.30, we go racing. We got Superlates, Prolates, Florida Mods, Sportsman, and Bomber A's to kick things off. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you guys out there. And again, we'll check back in a couple weeks, see how my predictions went. Stay tuned. Segment number three, we're going to talk about the NASCAR Clash at the Coliseum. That was um, unexpected. And then uh, around the state, we'll wrap it up. Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be 
your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit thesponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, 
make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bullring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open. Um, Just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to segment number three, everybody's favorite segment here on the Race with Ryan podcast. And again, if you do make it to segment number three, I say it every week. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, NASCAR's back. Uh, unceremoniously, they are back. Uh, they had the clash this weekend at the Coliseum, third year there at the Coliseum, and it just seemed the buzz had really died down on that event, right? And I'm not the only one. Yeah, I was excited for it, but also it's Red Eye Weekend. I've got World Series coming up. Um, I don't know. I just, it didn't have the same. I enjoyed the event the first two years. Like, I enjoyed the event. I'm glad it was different. I'm glad it was two weeks before World Series starts or before Daytona. 500 so that like I can sit down and watch it obviously this year with red eye getting pushed back I was like well I'm gonna miss the heat races I'm gonna miss practice but you know I'll, I'll get done with red eye and I'll come home and I'll just keep watching racing I'm gonna watch the class or the the qualifiers for the clash then go to bed and then get ready to watch the clash the next day in the Mexico series race and then as I'm at the racetrack our my buddy Austin texts our announcer group and he's like they're moving the clash to tonight and i'm like well that freaking sucks man like what am i gonna do tomorrow like i have to find a life um so yeah they they had bad weather coming through sunday i think it's still raining and and flooding as i record um it was honestly the best move they could have done let's get the race in let's get the hell out of here and let's call it good at the end of the day, NASCAR is concerned about their TV deal and just needs to get these races on TV. I know, you know, they're trying out these new markets. They're trying to get new fans, which, in my opinion, are they... What I want to know and what nobody's able to tell me, even when they argue with me, is how many new fans are we retaining on a weekly basis from all these crazy things where we're trying to reach out and grab that casual fan? Yeah, we might grab their interest for that event. We we might grab the interest of the folks that live in these apartment buildings and stuff around Chicago as we race through their streets. But are they watching continuously? Maybe the next week they tune in and they're like, oh, this is boring. And then they tune in. What are the numbers? You know, why are we going to these 
crazy outlier areas, I, I get it. Markets, you know, you, you got to hit the, you want to tap the big markets for sure. But my, my opinion is we need to be going to actual racetracks. When we build these temporary circuits in these areas that we cannot stay at if there is weather or unprecedented circumstances, then we run into these issues where we just got to like shoehorn everything together and hope it's, hope it works. You know, at the Chicago street course, they canceled the race or they called the race before halfway and called it official. And then they shortened the cup series race that they were making people spend lots of money to go to by like 25% because they didn't have enough daylight to run the AS. There was weather. I get it. I get it. I get it. But if we are running races in places where we cannot stay, if there is reason to be pushed back, then maybe we should not be racing there. I said the same thing about Chicago, and I said the same thing about the Clash, because I'm sure by Sunday night, by you know probably by Monday afternoon, they need to have all that crap the hell out of there for whatever event the Coliseum has coming up next. That is a multi-function facility, right? I know it's not football season right now, um, but still, they probably have some other expo or event or something coming up that they need that stuff cleared out. So, again, they have their backs up against the wall. They need to run the race because, again, that's part of their TV package. And um, you you know, just as well as I do, the TV deal is what drives NASCAR these days. Yes, you want to have fans in the stands. Yes, you've got to have the fans cheering on those drivers. you got to have the fan support or else, at the end of the day... You just run inside a closed building and, and who, who gives a shit, right? So, you know, I, I, just, I, I just feel like this idea of taking the clash on a road show is a good idea. And you know what? Maybe one year you take it to a stadium. Then the next year you take it to Irwindale, California. Then you go to Kern County if you really want the California market. Um, or you take it down to one of Mexico's short tracks. You take it to Canada... That, that beautiful speedway in Alaska would have pain in the ass to get there. But if we're talking about making this thing a spectacle, because I, I think really at this point, that's what the clash is supposed to be, right? A lot of people are saying, take it to New Smyrna. No, I say no to that. We don't need the clash at New Smyrna. Um, there, there was an idea that I'm going to talk about here at the end that I, I really enjoy. But there, here's the thing. We have the World Series at New Smyrna that features the NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour and now the ASA Stars Tour. Those should be the highlights of the World Series. We don't need NASCAR's top series coming in and squashing all that. We have built things up for the World Series that these people are getting a chance to shine where they don't normally get to shine. Let NASCAR shine elsewhere. Not to say that if they, it did happen that I wouldn't support the hell out of it at my home track. But I'm just saying, what we have built with the World Series right now is amazing so let those guys shine um thunder road that would be pretty cool right i just think the racetrack at the coliseum while impressive to be able to build a racetrack like that that can hold thir- uh, 24 big heavy nascars uh nascars oh that term upsets me nascar stock cars um it- it's an impressive feat and it's really cool that we have the ability to build something like that. Just do it, you know, and then go run a race. However, in my opinion, the NASCAR Next Gen Stock Car does not belong on anything smaller than a half mile. And there's work to be done on the half mile short track package. 
these cars, they need more room. They need more speed to be able to put on a good show. This was like watching Crown Vicks at Auburndale. Well, entertaining in a way. Uh, it's To me, the racing that we saw at Kansas last year was way better than anything we've ever seen at the Coliseum. So my point is, if we're going to take this thing and move it around, I would love to see the clash at Rockingham. I know the weather this time of year might suck, but if we can run these races for free, you know, open the stands for free because we got to move a race up, we can run the race anywhere and sell whatever tickets we're able to sell and make the money off the TV. We can, the keyword is can do this. Does it make the most sense? I don't know. I'm not the guy sitting there crunching the numbers. So I'm just a DARF after all, right? So I don't know. I'd like to see the clash kind of move around, highlight different areas. I did see an idea that said NASCAR, instead of spending the money to build a temporary track, should take that investment, move it to a track that could use the investment in the facility and leave something behind. So go there, go to a track, spruce it up and leave it behind for them to continue to put on great racing for years and years to come to keep our short track feeder programs alive because without the short tracks, in my opinion, NASCAR racing will die because where do these drivers come from? You know what I mean? So there's my opinion on the clash, uh, event, uh, the race itself. I was disappointed that we lost the heat races. In my opinion, they should have ran. They, they did three rounds of practice and then qualify So two rounds of practice. And the third round of practice was qualifying. You can find time to run three rounds of flipping practice, but we can't run the heats. I would have, in my opinion, I would have one round of practice. The biggest dirt racing series in the world do two hot laps and then they race. Do a, you know, quick five-minute practice session for each group, run the heats real quick, run the LCQ, and then run the feature at night. I think they could, keyword again, could have done all that gotten everybody a chance to get on track because I just feel bad for those guys that showed up, practiced, did did a qualifying lap, and then went home. Um, I get it. They had, listen, in my opinion, NASCAR did exactly what they needed to do to get the show in, and kudos to them for that. But I just, I wish we could have run the heats. I wish everybody could have had a chance to be in race conditions. That was my only gripe, and it's, it's a small gripe. Um, I love heat racing. I love seeing drivers race their way into the show versus just, okay, top 20 and qualifying. Thanks for coming. Everybody else go home now. Um, the race started. I was a little bit less enthusiastic watching the race because unfortunately I had it spoiled. Uh, we did have a representative from NASCAR up in the tower. And at one point I was chit-chatting with him like, Hey, this isn't normally how this goes. I really apologize. And he's like, Oh no, you're honestly, if I was in your shoes, I would have just, I would have ran out of here. So uh, but we got to chit-chat, and he's like, well, they got the clash in, and Danny Hamlin won, and I was like, ah, no, don't tell me that. Uh, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have this thing recording at home and had plans to go home and watch it tonight um, while I wound down. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then, like, five minutes later, he goes, well, if you're wondering, there are definitely some things that happen that you'll want to go see. And I was watching through it, and, you know, I had this bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, yeah, I already know who wins this. It's not as exciting it's like trying to watch a football game that you already know the results of. It's just not as exciting when it's spoiled for you. So I watched it, but I was also so tired and mentally drained and beaten up that I just kind of watched the race and was like, eh, eh, let's go to Daytona for the 500. 
the, the clash does not need to come back to Daytona. I don't want y'all to think that. Um, yeah, so I watched it. Denny Hamlin won. Ty Gibbs and Joey Logano are going to be the next, you know, Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin rivalry. That could be interesting. Could you imagine Joey, the little runty Joey Logano beating up the new little runt in the cup garage, uh, Ty Gibbs? That, that's kind of interesting. I'd like to see that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a horrible race. Um, it was not a crash fest like it was last year. It had some dramatic moments. It had its, you know, short track tempers. Uh, it was fine. It's a fine race for the confines of that speedway. Um, how this car performs on a short track, not bad. I just think the event, it's just time to move on. And, and I have my ideas on what we should do with it. And some don't agree. I mean, look, I posted my opinion that literally just said, yeah, I think the clash of the Coliseum has run its course. I think it's time to go to real racetracks. And by that, I just meant already built, purpose-built racing facilities. And of course, I've got Dave Moody in my DM said, oh, well, you think it should go back to Daytona, huh? No, sir. I didn't know. And he's like, well, the, if the people that were saying it should go back to Daytona would have showed up to Daytona, I'm like, well, sir, I used to go to, I used to love to go to the Clash of Daytona. It was my favorite day to go to Daytona. Go to the uh, practice for the 500, ARCA race, and then Clash, a full day of motorsports action for like 45 or 50 bucks. It was great. And then I started working at New Smyrna. That didn't become feasible. So yes, I stopped going to Daytona because I have priorities elsewhere in the motorsports world. Um, so, you know, I'm just like, man, people just love to take what you say and misconstrue it into, and then throw it back in your face and make you look like a dick. And that is not at all why I post some of the things I put. I post some things to get discussion going, absolutely. But not to be like, oh, well, you just, you're one of those guys. No, I'm really, you know, I just think it's time to do something else. And then Matt Weaver, you know, and look, Matt's an industry guy. Matt Matt knows a lot more than I do. But, you know, I even said something like, look, you know, I, I know they're just running this race for TV. He's like, no, it's for the market. I'm like, Matt, you and I know everything that is run right now is for the TV. You don't have to BS around the, the bush with me on this. So um, I love that I can have discussions with these people. And look, these are not, bad discussions. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I see eye to eye with these people. We have very friendly uh, discussions and sometimes we debate and that's fine too. Uh, but I, I just find it interesting that sometimes I have, I, I can say something and it stirs the pot enough to get those people to comment on. It's kind of weird. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, fine, fine race. Um, it's in the books. It's done and over with. Looking forward to the 500. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins it. Kyle Busch second, again, uh, been on the podium every year of the Clash. Ryan Blaney took a provisional to get in the field, finished third. Joe Logano was fourth, and Kyle Larson fifth. The cream rose to the top, absolutely no doubt about that. Then Alex Bowman sixth, Chase Briscoe seventh, Brad Keselowski eighth, Martin Truex ninth, and William Byron coming home, rounding out your top ten. Um, I want to remind everybody, the Racing with Ryan podcast NASCAR Live Fantasy League is open once again. I already have uh, almost 10. I think we have right around 10 people signed up already. Is eight or 10, something like that, last time I checked. So make sure you get on get in on that. Um, we'll be giving the trophy to John Gross here during the World Series. Um, I've had that thing for way too long. So uh, thanks to Ron D'Alessandro, 124 Welding and Fab. They are the official sponsor of our fantasy segment, which I'll try to do next week, give you some ideas for Daytona. Um, next week's show is always a little bit crazy, but I'm going to do my best. And, 
yeah, so get in on that. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page and click the link to join our fantasy podcast, I'll boost that out again and get some more people on board because it was a lot of fun last year. We're going to continue rolling through. So with that out of the way, let's take a look at went on uh, what went on around the state before we get out of here. Two tracks in action to talk about here. Auburndale Speedway had a super late model twin 50s. And um, a lot of people were complaining. Oh, all these tracks that have super lates on the same day. Literally, there was like no crossover other than like maybe Daniel Webster. So everybody got their cars. Armadale had 12. New Smyrna had 13. Well, we had a couple more and then they wrecked out. But anyway, like just... Everybody got to enjoy super late model racing. It's fine. Cody Stickler, one feature number one, no surprise there in the 46 car. Robert Jonas with a great run in second in the first feature. Daniel Webster was third. Brandon Morris driving the 25 car was fourth. And Brian Doerr rounding out the top five, followed by Chase Lovelady, Sean Lamaster, Richard Elkins, Abigail Jonas, Scott Grossenbacher, Cody Brinson in the 61, and A.J. Waller rounding out the field in race number one. Feature number two went to Cody Stickler as he was able to get the double down. When winning both twin 50s. Daniel Webster was second. I, the most curious thing I see here is uh, where's John Guy? No John Guy. Um, seems like a couple of the regulars were missing. Um, got a message from Steve like, oh, people are spoiled. We only have 12 cars and everybody's complaining. I mean, sometimes you get 12, sometimes you get 20. Got to make the most of it. Um, Chase, okay, so Cody Stickler first, Daniel Webster second, Chase Lovelady third, Robert Jonas fourth, Brandon Morris running at the top five. Followed by Sean Lemaster, A.J. Waller, Richard Elkins, Cody Brinson, Scott Grossenbacher, Abigail Jonas, and Brian Dorer. Your finishers. I have no idea what happened to any of these races, guys, so I'm just going to read the results and get the heck out of here. Uh, you can tune into the hot mic um, with Steve, uh, Matt, and Austin, plus myself. We'll, we'll recap things, usually a bit more in-depth. Fast qualifier, Robert Jonas. So Cody Stickler didn't win everything. Dirty Bacon Motorsports Mod Minis with another solid field. 11 cars starting the main event. Chuck Frazier picked up the win in the seven. Jay Zolziak was second. Fallon Goolsby, third. Kenny Ewell, fourth, fifth for Jason Rendell. Jeff Firestone was sixth. Seventh for Jason Deaton. Um, eighth for Tim Seawright. John Sofield, ninth. Running out of the top ten was Curtis Harrington. Heat race win went to Chuck Frazier, so he was able to double down again there. The Pure Stocks were in action. Good field of 15 in the pits. And James Wright III picked up the win over Preston Davis. Um, Kenny Gibson, sorry, uh, had to yawn again. Kenny Gibson was third, fourth for Daniel McLean. Adam Briggs running out the top five, followed by Cody Durham, Bobby Mobley, Jake Fishner, Bobby Kelly Jr., and Ronnie Roop, your top 10. Heat race wins went to Adam Briggs and Preston Davis. Mini stocks were in action, and no surprise, Bobby Kelly Jr. driving the 17 this week. Picked up the win over Bill Weatherington. Jay Roberts was third, fourth for Fred Martin. Matt Miller was fifth. Alex Bowman with two L's. Sixth, seventh for Eddie Davis. Dakota Cushing, eighth, ninth for Zach Dees. And Roy Healy rounding out your top 10. Heat race wins went to Jay Roberts and Bill Weatherington. And then we had... I'm ready to go to bed. I apologize. Get, uh, man, I, I got to get back on my... I got to get some rest so I don't do this during the World Series. Um, Crown Vicks. Let's see, we had a good field of them. Looks like 16, a couple of DQs, as seems to be always the case. Roger Blevins took the win. John Wallace was second. 
Michael Bauer third, fourth for Clay Cruz, who's he's doing well lately. Brian Farmer, fifth, sixth for Anthony Mahan. Austin Taylor, seventh, eighth for Chip Kelly, the coach of the Eagles. Joe Kleitz was ninth, tenth for Justin um, Agalive, I guess. DQs went to Zach Briggs and Chris Rummel. Neat Race wins went to John Wallace and Clay Cruz. And that wraps up the night at Auburndale. We'll head over to the Showtime Speedway as they were in action twice. So we'll start with Dave Steele Wing Championship Day Number 1. This was on February the 2nd. Uh, and I'm just going to read right down the list here. Winged Sprint Heat Number 1 went to LJ Grimm. And that's it. They just ran heats. All right. They had five cars. Street Stock A feature. Casey Hall in the 11 got the win over Mark Nelson, Robert Crisp. So I, I, I'm imagining the day two is the feature for the sprints. So just hold that thought. It's Casey Hall, winner of the Street Stock race. Mark Nelson, second. Robert Crisp. Thomas Meyer, Aaron Anderson, the top five, followed by Donovan Klaus, Kyle Courtney, and Austin Durham. Mini stock feature went to Stephen Paulton in the 37, Greg Valdez in second, Richard Akers third, Dakota Cushing in fourth, fifth for Travis Bowman, followed by Danny Fox, Mike Raley, Art Calkins, Donnie Masson, and Trevor Appling, your top 10 in a field of 14. Heat race wins went to Trevor Appling. And Stephen Paulton, I think if I saw something correctly, somebody was upside down in that race. Uh, we'll check in with Steve and, and Matt on that one because I think they were both in attendance that night. Uh, Ford Oval A Division feature went to Austin Rams in the 02. Colin Carpenter was second. Mike Coleman third. Rick Hanley fourth. Fifth for James Grigby. Uh, Jesse Ashley sixth. Seventh for Brandon Wolfanger. Joey Foote, James Bosniak, and Rob Ledwell rounding out the top 10 in a field of 17 heat race wins to Austin Ramsey and Mike Wedlick. So that was the second Friday night over at Showtime. Let's check what happened February 3rd, Saturday, as, yes, a feature event here for the wing sprints. And I don't know if um, all the heats didn't get put in or what, they said they have even a B feature, so I, I don't know what that first heat race w was, but uh, Davey Hamilton Jr. gets the win in the 360 wing sprint car race. Colton Bettis second, Sport Allen third, LJ Grimm fourth, Dylan Reynolds was fifth, sixth for Larry Brazil, Scotty Ademo was seventh, eighth for Stephen Hollinger, Keith Butler ninth, and tenth for Robert Taylor in a field of, well, they had 17 there, 15 took the green. The B feature win went to Colton Bettis, and qualifying, Davey Hamilton was the fastest car. So I don't know if it was like a dash for cash or something on Friday. I'll, I'll check with Matt on that. It's kind of confusing. Street stocks in action again. Six of them took the green. Aaron Anderson, the winner. Thomas Meyer, second. Mark Nelson, third. Fourth for Robert Crisp. Casey Hall, fifth. And sixth for Donovan, Donovan Klaus. Ford figure eight A. Mike Wedlick winning that one. Rob Lettle, second. Third for Mike Coleman, Jr. Justin Meyer, fourth. Fifth for Austin Dunham. Followed by Rick Hanley, Joey Foote, Robert Stoffel, Randy Foote, and Ed Hill, your top 10. Race cars of yesterday, A feature went to Clay Frey in the 17, Cush Vet, Dave Edwards, Tony Meehan, Tim Brush, and Greg Valdez running out your field there. The uh, E mods, or A mods over there, were in action. Doug Miller, the winner over Mike Meadows, Brian Scalise, um, Josh Renshaw, James Grigby, your top five, followed by Mark Nelson and Tom Zimmerman in your field of seven. The heat race win went to Mark Nelson, and that wraps up the event over there at Showtime Speedway. And honestly, uh, man, I know this was a long show. Appreciate you guys hanging in there. I'm tired. I still have 
a bunch of work to do. I got to go put up some posts for uh, tomorrow's welcome posts because I've still got a bunch of them to get out there before the World Series starts. And um, I spent a little bit extra time hanging out with my kid before I was uh, able to record tonight. So it's definitely getting late. I want uh, these shows to be consumable. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed some insight into what uh, went wrong on my end on Saturday during the Red Eye. Hope you enjoyed the Red Eye. Hope you enjoyed some great racing this weekend. Make sure you get out there and do the same. There's all kinds of great racing. February in Florida is the place to be. So we got the World Series coming up. Hope to see you guys on Friday. If not, hope you enjoy whatever racing you're able to see. Maybe we'll wave to you on flow. Maybe you'll see me walking across the, the front stretch doing victory lane interviews. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll check in with you guys next week. World Series uh, check-in show of some sort coming your way. Appreciate y'all listening. Get out there, support your local short tracks, watch some great racing. Until next time, enjoy your mom.